Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 94, Engage and Resist. We are broadcasting live, well, live for me, from our worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. My friend and co-host Jesse Fury is not with us today, unfortunately. Makes me sad, but he is off at... Yeah, on good paths and good purposes, I believe he's at an elder retreat, the pastors of our church, away praying for and seeking God for wisdom for the future of uh, our ministry here in the New River Valley. And so I am solo today, really to set the table a little bit for um, where we're heading in, on the Gospel Underground podcast. I want to thank everybody who's been listening in and the feedback we've received, and we're just really grateful to be a voice uh, seeking to equip others kind of in this, in our time and place here uh, in the 21st century, um, North America is where we are flowing from, and in a time of great cultural division, I suppose that uh, peoples and cultures have always been very divided. Um, there are those who are a little more seasoned than we who uh, have affirmed that this is an acute time of uh, drama and uh, separation in our country. And so we're just trying to say, hey, how do we form a place uh, as within this dominant cultural system that we're in? How do we live as followers of Jesus in this time, in our time and place. But before that, before we get to that, uh, we have we have a little bit of reviewish today because I've been inspired recently and want to share a few things that I want to review and maybe reviewish and recommend to you guys. The first one, did you guys see the new uh, iPhone Pacific Blue? I'm imagining it's Carolina Blue. It's almost Carolina Blue, at least for me. But that's not what I'm going to reviewish uh, iPhones. That's kind of a kind of a thing, I guess. But I want to uh, do a shocking reviewish here today because during the global pandemic and lockdown, uh, my son, he's 14. Uh, yeah, I believe he's 14. Yeah, just turned 14. Um, he's an eighth grader, and uh, during the pandemic, he, he he's really into baking, right? Um, you know, cooking. You know muffins mainly he got really into blueberry muffins and so uh a friend of ours um has this company they're selling on amazon called and this is not a paid advertisement i can tell you that um we don't do those here on the underground but there's this the, there's these uh cupcake cups you know you put little papers in them or you can get the uh you know the metal tins and do it and you know grease them up whatever um but a friend of mine has a company called Silicon Kitchen, uh, and they have these reusable baking cups. Uh, and if you're uh, on your phone or whatever or on a podcast app, you can see those on the screen right now if I've done my job correctly. And, uh, man, these things are great. One of the colors are kind of fly. We like them. Uh, but they, they pop right out. They work really well. My son approves them, and we've been eating a lot of blueberry muffins in Silicon Kitchen re- re- uh, reusable baking cups. They're on Amazon. You can find those. But I was happy, happy to reviewish those today because they've just been a fun little uh, ray of sunshine in our home in the mornings. It's not bad when you wake up and your son has uh, emptied the dishwasher and made you blueberry muffins without being asked. Amen, parents out there? That's what I'm talking about. Well, main topic today, uh, this short episode is called Engage and Resist, because where we have been here on the underground, episode 92, we talked about what's in them borderlands, right? There are ideas, there are people, there's worship taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, and so we want to love people, and we want to have our allegiance, right? 
our faithfulness, our commitment to God and the kingdom of God, and not anything else, and everything right right now is asking us for uh, our allegiance. And then last last time out, uh, sojourning in Babylon, we we have a great model in the scriptures in history, right? Where quite literally, empire conquering people, wanting to board them in, say, "Hey, we're going to reeducate you. We're going to make you good citizens of this realm, good little Babylonians." Where Daniel and his friends were called both to thoughtfully engage with Babylonian culture. Remember, they went to uh, all the schooling and they got educated, became, you know, big time in Babylonian things. Um, But at the same time, they resisted. During their sojourn in Babylon, they did not want their hearts, their allegiance, their worship um, captured by things which aren't worthy of those things, idolatrous things, things, uh, people, political regimes, uh, false religious idolatry, whatever it might be. So these two moves, right? Thoughtful engagement, we need to have that in our day, and we need to have resistance. Now, the word resistance is being used a lot in the last four years, particularly um because Donald Trump was elected president uh, in these United States. And so there are resi- there's an, a, a resistance, right, from folks who oppose him, his manner. Um, I suppose the resistance uh, straddles those who would be called maybe never Trump people that might even be conservatives. Uh, and certainly those who have a different political persuasion than conservatives, those more on the left side of things, have certainly consciously resisted the person and policies of our president. Um, I think that's a good example because resistance is it really matters who you're resisting, what you're resisting and why. Uh, but resistance itself is a very, very valuable aspect for being a human being. If only this world was the Garden of Eden, right? And there weren't uh, p- powers, there weren't uh, spiritual powers, uh, earthly powers who would want capitulation from people, submission from people, Um if it was if it was a little bit nicer place, right, we wouldn't need to resist, but we do need to resist. This is a term that I first encountered um, in my own thinking um, about fifteen years ago in a book called Prophetic Untimeliness. This is the book. It's a uh, man. I was, there you go. You can see that. Um, 2005 publication, A Challenge to the Idol of Relevance by Oz Guinness. Oz, that is a, you know, if you're familiar with the Guinness uh, Brewing Company, I guess they're bought by the Worldwide Booze Conglomerates. I think MBF may own them now. Uh, great book called In Search of for God in Guinness to look at the history of brewing beer uh, with the Guinness family. And there's a great chapter on Christianity and beer. Fantastic chapter. You need to hit that up. But the Guinness family, he is from that family. Uh, I guess you would call him a a Christian thinker and apologist of some sort, but I like Oz Guinness. He, I, I heard him years ago uh, at Virginia Tech in our first sojourn here in Blacksburg where he just walked out on stage, no notes, spoke for an hour like a boss, and then walked back out. I was like, dang, okay, let's do it. But in, in this book, uh, Prophetic and Timeliness, he brings this term resistance thinking to the forefront. I'm going to read you a quote on page 20 from that book. Resistance thinking is a term adapted from a 1945 essay by C.S. Lewis on Christian apologetics. This is right after World War II, obviously, where the French resistance and the resistance to the Nazis was very uh, uh, in view. It is a way of thinking that balances the pursuit of relevance on the one hand with a tenacious awareness of the elements of the Christian message that do not fit in with any contemporary age or the other. 
emphasize only the natural fit between the gospel and the spirit of our age, and we will have an easy, comfortable gospel that is closer to our age than the gospel. All the answers to human aspirations, for example, and no mention of self-denial or sacrifice, but emphasize the difficult, the obscure, even the repellent themes of the gospel, certain that they too are relevant, even though we may not know how, we will remain faithful and true to the gospel, the full gospel. And surprisingly, we will be relevant not only to our own generation, but also to the next and the next and the next. C.S. Lewis observed this same principle holds true both in faith and in science. Progress is made only into resisting material. Resistance thinking then is a way of relevance with faithfulness. So that's what we want, friends. When you're uh, sojourning in Babylon, uh, we want to speak the gospel to a contemporary cultural setting in a way that's understood. So you have to use certain languages that people use, uh, certain idioms, certain cultural things. You want people to hear you, right? You can't hear Jimmy. But if you want to be heard, you gotta, you got to communicate and connect with people in culture. But at the same time, friends, we want not just relevance, because you can capitulate and just become just like the world. Same ideologies, same philosophies, same way of thinking, same way of doing life and families and sexuality, all these things. You can just become the world. We want relevance with faithfulness, right? Relevance with faithfulness. And to do that, uh, you have to resist. You cannot get bored in uh, by the Republicans, by the Democrats, by these folks and those folks, uh, by this religion or that, by American consumerism and hedonism, right? Uh, the pursuit of things, the pursuit of pleasure, which we are all, right? Uh, that's what advertising's for. That's what marketing is for. How do we get people to think that our lives are so bad that they need to buy something and have some different pleasure uh, to, to make their life worth living? Look, man, I, I, I bought something at Best Buy yesterday. I'm not saying that we are not material creatures and that uh, we sh we shelter and we like you know Pacific Blue iPhones or uh, Silicon Kitchen baking cups, uh, but man, there is a way where we can start seeing all of life just through economics and consumption, and and in that we're in a very dangerous place in our culture. So when we think about resistances, we have to ask two questions, two very simple questions: a who. And what? Who are we resisting, right? Um, many times, like, you, you want to know, who, who is the man, right? Uh, it's very easy to think that your enemies are the ones that are the bad guys, and there are no other bad guys and nobody else who should be resisted. But one of the things I learned as a very new Christian, I became a believer uh, when I was about 20 years old, I was on a wrestling scholarship at UNC uh, in the physics department at UNC at the time studying physics, and I ended up getting a degree in applied science. So my world was straddling science and sports, you know, kind of worlds. And I remember as a young Christian struggling with whether I believed in spiritual powers or forces. You know, I was coming out of a scientific background, still still like the worldview of good scientific reasoning. I think I'm reading a book on the history of scientific method right now uh, by Susan Weisbauer, very good book. Um I like that, but at the same time, I was very hesitant to believe in like spiritual powers, you know, any uh, good forces and bad forces, you know, Satan and demons, that kind of thing. But I remember, you know, as I kind of you keep living in life, you see that there are many things in play in this world, both earthly powers 
and things that are uh, beyond earthly powers. For instance, you see things like this. Every Christian wrestler knows uh, this verse as well as the, the the narrative in the Old Testament where God wrestles with Jacob because, you know, you've got wrestling going on. you got to know about this. But this is Ephesians 6, 2. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy that we are resisting isn't just another human being, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly Places And so we need to realize that the resistance, right, and we ask who we're resisting, it's not just, you know, the person at the the opposing political ideology or, or the f- folks fighting you uh, on the athletic fields. And uh, there is a bigger picture that there are forces of darkness uh, in this world influencing people. You know, forming and codifying uh, unjust laws and uh, moving people to uh, fear and act uh, wickedly against one another. And so we need to keep in mind that there are both powers and principalities and ideologies that come from human beings that we have to resist. Colossians 2, verse 8, see to it. That's kind of a, you know, hey, hey this is your job. <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to, you need to be on this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. That's kind of that spiritual darkness thing again, and not according to Christ. So there is a way that is worldly, that is against the ways of God, that is both spiritual and ideological that followers of Jesus have to resist thoughtfully, thoughtfully engage, and wisely resisting. And so um, the things that we resist is idolatry, worshiping things that aren't God. In our day, you know, we got election in a few weeks, uh, political idolatry, thinking that, you know, party and politics is going to be the savior of the world and your world. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying politics doesn't matter. I'm saying not saying policies don't matter. They do. There's a turn that happens and it's happening in people. I see it every day today uh, where it becomes something else. Uh, misinformation and lies, we have to resist that. And the tools by which they come today, um, false teaching from within uh, Christian circles, uh, we resist the influence on our character, on our families, in our communities, right? We want to be formed and shaped to be more like Jesus not more like uh, Donald Trump or uh, Joe Biden or whoever else people want to uh, track out uh, athletes or celebrities. Our culture's drunk with this, man. Uh, we want to be like this and that. Now, look, I'm not saying there's not exemplary public figures. There are, but there are also disastrous public figures that will influence our own character, our way, our manner of speaking. Oh, we might like the way somebody tweets, and now all of a sudden we're acting like that. Is that the flow that Jesus would have for us. We have to resist these things. So there's a who and there's a what. We're going to talk a lot about uh, both uh, positive and negative resistances. Negative by that means we resist things coming at us. Positive is that we want to resist by going in, right? We want to go in uh, in this world and support certain things and and uh, prophetically speak to certain things. Um, that's, what the, that's what we're going to travel a bit here in the coming weeks on the underground 
Guinness, again, in his book, Prophetic Untimely, says, thinking and acting Christianly in the blizzard of modern information and change requires the courage of a prophet, the wisdom of a sage, and the character of a saint, not to mention the patience of Job and the longevity of Methuselah. Now, you might not be old as Methuselah, but we hope we have a generational influence. I mean, I, I'm super thankful that my two daughters have had the opportunities to be introducing Jesus to their friends this summer, right? Both my oldest daughter and my middle daughter had great, uh, great friendships where they've been sharing the gospel. Uh, we want generations, right, man? Uh, Methuselah is not old enough to keep up with the generations that will come after us. We need to have a long view of uh, of our engagement and thinking, acting like followers of Jesus in this age and in many generations to come until what kingdom comes. So, in light of that, there are three things um, that are most important. They just need emphasis in our lives over and over and over. In my life, in your life, these are things I emphasize with people I influence, my family, my friends, my circles, those I minister to and with alongside. Uh, These values, right, are so important today. First, there's three of them, and I'm going to say that each each of the three three times. Wisdom, 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 right? To know who and when and what to resist and when to go along. There's certain things in our culture we go along with, right? Remember the narrative of Daniel. Uh, but knowing when to stand uh, is very vital, and we need wisdom, which is gained over time, gained from walking with God, gained from experience, gained from knowing God's Word. Um, wisdom is applying relationship and knowledge intelligently in real time uh, with complexity of circumstances, right? We need wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Secondly, we need to be conscious of our posture, posture, posture. Now, I'm on like a little weeble wobble stool, right? I have a stand-up desk. So like right now I've got it in medium mode. I I work like this a lot of of times. Um, I've been trying to focus on my posture because sometimes I get this little podcast lean in and then my like underneath my ribs gets all tweaked and then sleeping at night, I'm waking waking myself and my wife going, oh, because I got, you know, I'm old and uh, beat up my body (laughs) wrestling for many years. Posture matters, right? You might have heard of posture a little bit. Maybe somebody told you to get your elbows off a table, stop slouching, or you know, back straight. You know, whatever it means. Our posture communicates, right? Um, the statistics on communication are that uh, there's lots. I think it's like eighty percent of communication is nonverbal. Again, again, but I think that you know the verbal part matters because otherwise you're just miming to people. Um, but if I'm saying, Hey man, what are you doing today? And I'm kind of like, Hey man, what are you doing today? You know, uh, and I have a certain posture. Hey, that's friendly. I'm asking you like to hang or something. But if I'm like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing today? I might be thinking you're lazy or not doing your homework or something. Right. Um, there's, there's a difference, right? And the way our posture is in the world, where do we stand? How do we stand? Do we view ourselves as servants of others for the sake of Christ, or do we view ourselves as important and, you know, lording over people, right? Uh, Posture, posture, posture. We need to be humble in our view of ourselves, view ourselves with sober judgment, and view ourselves as the gospel calls us to, servants of yours for the sake of Christ. Now, thirdly, wisdom, posture. Uh, Thirdly, place, place, place. Where do we view ourselves belonging in this world? Top of the food chain, if you're a pastor out there, do you view yourselves as a shepherd who serves amongst the people of God as a sheep? 
or do you see yourself as the big time leader dog who's like running all the things and you don't find a place with other human beings? Um, do we see ourselves as servants first uh, or leaders first? I'm not creating a false dichotomy. I'm all about leadership, man. I, I read tons. I got like literally right now, right there. Um, I flipped the camera, but it's kind of a weird one to do. Um, right there, I have like 15 books on leadership. Not creating a false dichotomy, but leadership in the manner and way of Jesus Christ, man, it's different. It's different. He he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Do, do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Who's the example? Consider Jesus who died for people, right? Where do we see our place? Wisdom, posture, and place when you sojourn in Babylon. If we're thoughtful, engaging, if we are resisting wisely, we need these three things. We need to have the wisdom of God as we search out the path that we need to walk in day by day. And we need to have the posture and place of servant leaders. Look, we're people in culture, right, man? I'm speaking English to you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dude of Irish descent in 2020 uh culture is all over us man we don't escape it but we have to remember we have a word from eternity jesus christ stepping into the world the word of god in scripture uh, testifying to that same living and resurrected christ we have a word from without as we live within culture or we must not become captive to do that we have to resist I'm going to close with one final quote from uh, Mr. Guinness, um, and then I'm going to head off to lunch with a friend. But there's been a, so much discussion of uh, culture, right? Um, everybody has a culture. Culture is involved in our shaping of things. But there's been a little bit of a shift in the last several hundred years in Western civilization. Um, obviously, we don't want to say that there's a view from nowhere, that nobody has a non-cultural viewpoint as a person except God. And this is why uh, the view, if God speaks, if God, even when I was like looking at Christianity before, you know, when I was converting, you know, in college, I remember I was like, hey, I wanted to know, is it possible that God is real? And there's good things from science that I was looking at. It's like, man, this world seems mathematically made by somebody, right? There seems to be intellect and mind behind why I can do these math equations and they match the world. That was already in my mind and heart, right? Is there a God? Probably. And then my other question was this, has God ever shown up? Well, I mean, you ought to look at the person of Jesus, right? You ought to look at the person of Jesus. And there is a word from without that can help us, right? Escape cultural captivity, not being incultured or people in culture, but salvation, right, involves a word from without where God sets people free, renews the mind, and gives us a different view from his perspective. Guinness says this, is culture decisive in the audience sovereign for the Christian church? Not for one moment. God forbid. The client uh, and the consumer may be king in a free market enterprise. Serving the shareholders may be obligatory for the directors of corporations, but the Church of Christ is not under the sway of market totalitarianism. Or is it? <laughs> Even in America, uh, where capitalism is king, pope, and emperor all rolled into one, uh, 
from the prophets saying, this is the word of the Lord to the reformers, and he's speaking to the Protestant Reformation. Here I stand, so help me God, I can do no other. The message, not the audience, is always sovereign. And the culture is always, and you got to say this, guys, at least potentially the world set over against Christ and his kingdom. Remember, sojourning in Babylon. To think otherwise, Guinness concludes, to think and live otherwise is to recycle the classic error of theological liberalism and to court the worldliness, irrelevance, and spiritual adultery that that view represents. In the coming months, friends, we're hitting it up, man, talking about resistance, resisting together, where and why we make our stands. I think it's important in our time. We're giving our, we're giving our lives to it. Join us next time, guys. We look forward to it. The Gospel Underground podcast flows out of a partnership with the Bonhoeffer House. And my friend, I miss you, Jesse. Jesse Fury. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. Send your comments, feedback, and or questions you'd like for us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Awfully engaging, resisting well, wisely. Thanks, friends. Peace.